The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Coming up after 10.15, we uh, find out about love lives of sex workers. I have a journalist who did an expose on the subject for Playboy and uh, an escort who will be uh, joining us. So I think it'll be a bit of an eye-opener and your chance to ask questions about this for a moment and arrive. Um, would you ever date an escort? Why or why not? So think about that. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with passion at 514-800. You can also email me anytime Lori at drlaurie.com. So a couple of texts here. Uh, what does it mean? My girlfriend tells me her clitoris is too sensitive to touch. So sometimes with uh, arousal, like when there's a lot of blood flow, some women experience like high sensitivity, um, maybe after she's even orgasmed, that then it becomes even uh, more sensitive to to the touch. So that's what it means. Like it's not, it doesn't mean anything bad. It does. It doesn't mean it's a problem. It's not a a physical thing. Some people just experience this. You can speak to men who also the sometimes the head of the penis can feel too sensitive uh, and just it just gets uncomfortable and so it crosses the line from pleasure into pain and it probably is a follow her lead so that you can find other uh, other areas to um, to stimulate is it possible to have sex with urine incontinence? I recently leaked urine. I'm 56. How can I have sex with my partner? I am ashamed. What will I say to him? So there's nothing to be ashamed of, of first of all. Um, I mean, incontinence is something uh, that a lot of people have, but there are things you can do for that that you might want to explore. So that's the, f- the first thing I would say is uh, you can work with a pelvic floor physiotherapist, for example, that can help you in, uh, in that department. Also, empty just empty your bladder right before sex. And you know what? If a little bit leaks out. I, I, I bet you your partner would not be uh, offended uh, offended by that. So uh, talk about it. Talk about how you feel and your partner will probably put you at ease. But if you empty your bladder first, all that will probably happen is droplets uh, that, may, uh, that may happen. So uh, nothing to be ashamed of though. Absolutely nothing. Uh, I played Dungeons and Dragons with five persons around a table with no masks. One of them is my best friend's sister. One day I got a fixation with her eyes color for a photography test, so I take a picture of her with her consent. Bad idea. Despite having being 40 years old and she is 25, I found her charismatic and very attractive, and I also love the way she plays her character a chaotic thief. I don't know anything about Dungeons and Dragons, by the way. Uh, And forget her bad habits, smoking cigarettes, weed in real life. Oh, so you're really attracted to her character more than her in real life. Be careful with that. The problem is that I'm not in a good mental health to be in a relationship. What should I do? Keep that for myself? Telling the truth to her in private? Telling the truth to my best friend in a hurry? What's wrong with me? 
there's nothing wrong with you except that your mind is uh is is going into fantasy corners right you're like listen to what you what you're saying here is that you're forgetting her bad habits meaning that those things bother you would bother you in real life and you're focusing on her her online or her avatar her character and that's the um that's what you're attracted to so do unfortunately a lot of gamers will fantasize that way right i, I can only think of like episodes of big bang theory where uh, one of the characters whatever has sex or or with you know online with with someone else's avatar and then i don't know they discovered some guy behind there but anyway there's it's not that there's anything wrong but i don't know if i would say anything at this point understand this is a fantasy let it go as such you already are not interested at this point to be in a relationship because you don't feel 100 percent. get yourself in check get better work on you and understand that it can just be merely a fantasy and it's okay the other thing is you're five persons around a table with no mask think about that for a minute is that such a good idea are you touching things it's like playing cards right are you all touching the same things i don't know when things are hot and heavy and tv is on they can announce a nuclear war it will just have to wait little urine is nothing for the urine uh people I just turned 18 and I've been listening to your show for almost a year. I messaged you months back because of a bad experience I do not want to get into. Your advice has helped me (coughs) more than you can believe. I have other friends who listen to your show as well and we all learn from your show. Friends have messaged you with questions and concerns because we cannot ask our parents. We think we know a lot but we really don't know anything. Boys are, and boys, or boys are boys, and they are only interested in one thing. We found out it's nothing new. Thank you for being there when I needed someone like you the most. Well, that's really nice. Thank you for that. Appreciate uh, appreciate the feedback. Lori, I cannot be the only one stressed out by this COVID pandemic. I do have health issues that would make contracting it dangerous for me, perhaps fatal. Not even my doctor could predict how bo- how my body will react. I guess this is true to everyone, but we need to work and pay bills, rent, mortgage, whatever. I really thought in March that this would have been over by now. I'm scared now. My house is my home, but I never thought I would consider it a sanctuary. You and your show are a calming effect for me, and for one hour there is no pandemic, and at least if I fall asleep listening, I sleep well. The poet has made me laugh when I needed the laugh, to laugh the most. Where can I read all the poems written for your show, and how, how many poems are written? I think there's uh, probably around 200 poems already by this point. I just don't have them all in one uh, area. <laughs> so we'll have to see if we can publish that at some point. Um It has been a stressful weekend, and today was particularly stressful. I am not lonely or lonesome. I'm generally a happy person. I have good friends who are there for me, but they are in the same boat. You and your show means a lot to me, and I know you are just as scared or concerned as me and many others, and that makes it just a little bit better. Thank you for being you, not just a voice on the radio, but a real person who says what she feels. I send you and the poet a virtual hug. That's very sweet. Also very sweet. Hi, Dr. Laura. I hope that person tries looking after his or her mental health. Definitely. Uh, Nice comments from that 18-year-old. Yes. 
Hi, Doc. I absolutely love the show. My question is about CBD oil and sex. Have you tried it? Any of the ladies out there? I want to know. So right now, um, there's research being done with CBD oil. And I mean, you could get CBD oil anywhere now, the pharmacy, everywhere. I just personally, I don't use it. Um, I think it's something that uh, I don't know enough about it and enough of its effects on sexuality. I just know that right now people are taking it for pain. People are taking it to help sleep. People are taking it to relax. So it would make sense that for some people it might work to loosen them up sexually or, or relax their brains enough to, to be able to be sexual. But the studies are ongoing right now, especially now that it's legal. We're going to see more and more, and uh, we'll be able to see some of these results, which, of course, you know I will share with you along the way. Uh, Coming up shortly, we're going to talk about the love lives of sex workers with two very interesting, uh, interesting guests. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Tonight on the program, we find out about the sex and love lives of sex workers. My guests are Tim Struby. He is a journalist who did an expose on the subject for Playboy. I wrote a piece, How Does an Escort Find a Boyfriend? Hint, it's not easy. And Maggie is with us, who is an escort interviewed uh, for this piece as well. He spent uh, a good year conducting in-depth interviews. So... I think we're going to get the uh, the scoop on this one. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Oh, I'm so happy you're here. And you're where are you, Maggie? I'm actually in Los Angeles currently. Okay. I kind of opted out of living in New York during the pandemic. I know that's like <laughs> not a very New York thing to do, but I'm not from there originally, so I don't have to. Yeah, you don't. You don't have the uh, New York accent, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> Tim, do you? <laughs> uh, I I certainly do, and I am in New York City. <laughs> All right, tell us a little bit about this piece and how you even came to write about this. Like, what? Why were you intrigued by this topic? Well, um, several years ago, I was working on a story for the New Yorker about working in America. And we were interviewing several subjects just about their working lives. And one of them was a female sex worker. And while I was kind of pre-interviewing her, she mentioned that she had a long-term boyfriend. And I was shocked by it because I, it just kind of never occurred to me that that was feasible. Okay. Um, and she didn't wind up doing the uh, what I was writing about, but... Someone, we had another female sex worker do it, but it stuck with me. And several years later, I, it just the story, the idea of it always, you know, just resonated with me. And I reached out to her a couple of years later and said, would she be interested in work, you know, being involved in a story about that? And then I wound up kind of reaching out to about 50 female sex workers. Oh, wow. And I got about mm, 14 responses. And then I narrowed it down to about seven or eight that I really kind of um, that I really focused on. So this took you a while to put together. Clearly, like this is like an in-depth research. Yeah, it took about two years. Like that's a dissertation, you know that, right? I yes, <laughs> I yeah, certainly. I um, I have 
I may be the foremost expert on this subject that there is. I feel like was, you could write actual, a book, and you should. You <laughs> should write a book. You, absolutely. Yeah. You have enough material to write a book, or at the very yeah, least was, get your Ph.D. <laughs> there was very little written about it as well, too, and that's what was interesting to me, that you know there had been one or two pieces written by former female sex workers about it, but otherwise, there was no information about it. But it is something that's intriguing. And I remember having this question and asking, actually, to um, strippers, male strippers, if they had girlfriends and how they felt about it. So I was always curious uh, by this, just never had quite in-depth conversations like like you have. So uh, this is uh, very interesting. And I know the general public probably asks themselves that same question. Hey, do, do they have a, a partner at home? Do they have families? Uh, how, how easy or how difficult is it to actually be in a relationship? Uh, Maggie, maybe you can tell us a little bit about you and your work. I feel like on the surface, that's a question that kind of gets bypassed and everyone's like, oh, maybe they do, maybe they don't. I think a lot of clients don't think that you do and it's part of the fantasy um, and mm. there's actually been occasions where clients have gotten um, violent, like physically or even sometimes just emotionally or verbally, when they, they realize that you have a life outside of this, you know, fantastical kind of illusion that is created within your work. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for me, when I met Tim, I was in a relationship at the time, which subsequently ended. Um, but it's it's a really tricky territory, especially with the legalities surrounding sex work in America. Right. Um, you know, you're not just kind of trusting someone with, you know, your heart, you're trusting someone with something that could potentially go really, really sour and could end in a really horrible way. That's quite true. So for you, you had to, I guess you have to evaluate that. Can, Can that person handle it? How do you even go about finding out if a partner... Uh, can handle it like do you you tell them right off the bat that's what you do how does it work all right so this is where it gets really tricky because like you don't want to tell someone straight away so you kind of have to do a bit of sleuthing and feeling it out and a lot of girls like you know a lot of people are on dating apps these days and a lot of girls will kind of pose a question in their profile or you know state something that's semi-controversial to test the waters and to see how liberal someone is, to see how someone might possibly react. Like, I remember, like, earlier on in the year, I was dating this guy and he had this book. I think it's by Terry Nadler. I can't remember. But basically, it's an expose of sex workers in America. And a lot of them were kind of street workers. A lot of them were male. Uh Um, But, of course, I opened the book up to, like, the only female sex worker in the, you know, in the spread. And, you know, I was like, oh, and I hadn't told him yet. And I was like, oh, this might be a really good kind of um, segue into (laughs) telling him, you know, what I do. And I kind of, you know, like, you know, crept around it like a a little cat and was like, oh, so, you know, why do you like this book? But a lot of the time it's, you know, you'll have to be, you'll, you'll have to ask kind of like a question that isn't too close to home to really feel it out. And it's hard because... You know, relationships depend so, you know, predominantly upon trust, right? Right. So if you're, you know, four weeks into dating and all of a sudden it's like, surprise, this is, you know, what I do, you kind of have that person staring back at you, trying to make sense of it all in their head. And it takes time. Like, initially they might say, oh, 
that's fine, you know, I'm, you know, a modern, postmodern guy and I can handle this, but slowly, slowly it unfolds and, you know, you come up against all these, I guess, obstacles and hurdles that, you know, relationships are already hard enough as they, as they are, True. you know, and then you've, you've kind of got, you you know, coming home from work and having a really bad day or having a really good day, you know, it's just like you can't win. <laughs> no, no. Do, and do they want to know details? Have you found that the guys it, you dated? It depends. And Tim, you had a really good, um, a, a really good quote from one of the girls. What was it? Yeah, I mean, it, it's that was a difficulty because one of the benefits of having a partner is you want to share your work <laughs> stories or complaints yeah, right. and such. And, and, and one of the yeah. One of the stories, you know, for an example, um, this wasn't in the story, but one of the female sex workers was dating uh, uh, someone and she came back from work one day and she said, I, we have to go back on birth control. And the, the, uh, because the condom kept slipping off the client and the, her boyfriend figured it was because the client's um, you know, was, was too small, too small. <laughs> but the, the female sex worker le- omitted the fact that it was because he was too big, you oh, know, wow. and like, right. You, it, it, it's a, you know, how much, and one interesting point that all of the female sex workers say is that you have to be wary of a partner who doesn't want to know anything about your work or wants to mm-hmm. know too much. It has to be kind yeah. of a middle ground. Right. Actually, this texter wrote in, I don't think it's really fair for your guest to hide the fact she's a sex worker. She must be way more at risk of getting STIs and hiding that from someone is dangerous and immoral. And I'm sure that's a sentiment a lot of people have. How do you respond to that, Maggie? Well, yes and no, right? Because if, I mean, I've dated guys who, I dated one particular guy and after I told him, he screamed at me that I was going to give him HIV. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my goodness me. And I said, well, when was the last time that you were tested? And he, he kind of stared at me blankly and he said, oh, I don't know, like a year ago. And I'm like, yeah, well, I get tested every single month. So if you're worried about the transmission of STIs and being responsible around sexual health, I'm probably the one who's more responsible than anyone mm. out of, you know, a group of 10 people, right? So I understand that and I understand that, it, you know, it can be seen as immoral, but sex workers are some of the most responsible people around sexual health because we have to be. They because if we get an STI, we can't work. And that, you know, mm. is, is a massive, you know, problem around making income. It's and a, not to mention the health ramifications, of, of course, course, but this is part of our job. It's so a, while I do understand that, you know, it is, there is a, you know, moral line there. Um, yeah, I just, I just, I would beg to differ in terms of who is more likely to have a screen than, you know, a sex worker. It's the same thing with, uh, we talked to uh, a few weeks ago on, on, in the porn industry, you know, even with COVID, they mm-hmm. get, they get tested every single time. They can't get on a set yeah. without having uh, STI yeah. testing and COVID testing. So they're probably... Mm-hmm. Uh, the safest <laughs> at that point because exactly. your, your average person yeah. doesn't get tested that often. That's uh, that's the reality. Mm-hmm. So how mm-hmm. how difficult and and maybe uh, Tim you can answer that having talked to so many. How difficult is it for sex workers to find love? 
the difficulty for sex workers to find love, it, it seems pretty predominant. Um, the, the cases that I found where people were genuinely happy in, in say, long-term relationships, in, my, in, in sort of my group was probably 10%. Um, it, it's really hard. And what, there seems to be a cycle where when a woman gets into sex work, it seems like the first year they're just figuring out the business and such, and they don't really sort of require it. And then mm-hmm. after a year, they do. And the process is so difficult. The process is, is – and they all have kind of the same stories of, you know, of the difficulties of online dating, of finding candidates who are maybe viable, uh, finding people who are open-minded enough. And it, it's – I – didn't leave the story having a lot of hope that it's that it's going to get better, even mm. if it was legalized. I right. still think it's an extremely difficult situation that no matter how open-minded someone is, that until oh, yeah. um, you know someone is in that situation where their partner is a female sex worker, that they can understand what it means. Where when your partner is going to work and they're going to sleep with someone else. Mm. Uh, all right, there's all no, kinds you... of emotions, and, and I want to talk about that coming up, but we have to take a break for our, for our news. Uh, we're talking with uh, Tim Struby, who's a journalist, did an expose on the subject for Playboy, the sex and love lives of sex workers, and Maggie, who is an escort, joins us as well. We'll continue our conversations uh, conversation with them, plus our stupid sex story of the day next. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Stupid sex story of the night. It's a short one. Uh, here's the headline. Police, a Florida woman steals sex toy, uses it in store. A Florida woman stole a sex toy, took off all her clothes, and started using it while still in the store, according to the Fort Pierce Police Department. Uh, records show employees at the store, which was not identified in the arrest report, uh, to report that 36-year-old Teresa Stanley had stolen a pink sex toy from a shelf, removed it from the packaging, took off her pants, and began using it. By the time the police arrived, she was completely nude and had moved to the stockroom area to continue using the item. She stopped using it, dropped it to the ground when an in the room. <laughs> Records show the value of the stolen item was forty-five ninety-eight. She was arrested on charges of indecent exposure and larceny. So that's a pretty silly story right there crazy that somebody would even do that but anyway uh tonight we're talking about the love lives of sex worker a fabulous article by tim struby who's a journalist uh, researcher really did incredible research uh for an article in playboy magazine his piece how does an escort find a boyfriend hint it's not easy need to read it it's really interesting uh he's with us as is maggie who is uh, an escort was also interviewed for his piece. So we were talking just before the break, uh, guys, about uh, finding a relationship and the difficulty in finding a relationship. Maggie, how do you, how have you met your romantic and love partners? I mean, predominantly on a dating app. I have dated a client. I feel like there aren't many sex workers who haven't done that. Okay. (laughs) I talked to someone. Um, And it's, 
I guess it's kind of easier because from the get go, you you they know they you know, know what you and, do, yeah. And I'm not saying that means it, that the progression of the relationship is any easier because you know you kind of there's this almost like that pretty woman savior complex mm-hmm. about how they you know want to rescue you from this profession that you very kind of readily chosen <laughs> and are happy with. So, but yeah, I think predominantly dating apps, I feel like that's where I've met most of my, my ex-partners. Yeah. And Tim, what about the, the other ladies that you, um, that you interviewed? Is it also through dating apps that most of them met? Yeah, it really is. One of the subjects met through social media where she had her, kind of real persona. Um, it was the, the one of the three main subjects didn't tell her romantic, her partners that this was, that she was in this line of work. Whoa. Um, Until how yeah. long? She never did. And it, it, it was, it was a real issue obviously with her because, you know, the great, great part of this story was that the subjects, all the subjects that had extremely self-aware and open and honest and, and, and not being able to tell your partner um, is contradictory to that. And so in every one of her recent relationships, it came to a point where she was seeing someone, usually in another city, where she had to make a decision to mm-hmm. say, I'm either going to reveal this or I have to break it off. And she broke them off. Hmm. So she never was able to stay in a serious relationship. Nope. And she, she was not. And I mean, and it really, it, it really took a toll on her and um, she could, because she was proud of what she did and she loved what she did and she had reviews of, by, from her clients on her website. So I, I think it's really difficult. Mm. I mean, I think the apps are probably a, a good way to meet people. That's what they all seem to do. Um, but it's still, you know, you just, you still, they all say you still don't know what you're getting. Like anybody did. You still of don't course. know what you're getting via the app. Right. And, and I wouldn't, I can't imagine that somebody dating a, a woman would, would even think or ask, hey, you know, do you do sex work? Like, it, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not the thing that comes up uh, that somebody no. else would. But the sex worker uh, not saying anything like how, you know, I don't know how long into the dating process they would divulge this information, but it seems somewhat unfair to kind of hook the guy, get them to really like, they start really liking you and then you tell them. I guess, yeah, I mean, I it's very tricky. Just, it's it's, a, it's that's a trust tricky territory. Because, yeah. Yeah. It's, so, it's where, you, you want to tell them, but you have to be able to trust them with this mm-hmm. information, but you don't right. want to prolong it. And a lot, of the, a lot of the subjects said they would drop – very early on, they would drop hints. They might talk about sex work or they might talk about um, but something that, that would signal – something that they could read from the, the date that they're on to see if they were sort of amenable to that. Mm-hmm. Well, I got a couple of te- – go ahead, Maggie, and then I'll share some Oh, tests. sorry. It's, it's really tricky because there's so much stigma attached to sex work. Mm-hmm. And you, as I said before, you sit in front of this guy. He's trying to process the fact that, you know, 
at nighttime or during the afternoon or whatever, you're going out and, you know, having sex with the daddy at the park or the businessman who's at the next booth at the cafe or whatever. And they try to almost like it's the it's it's this Madonna whore complex. Do you know what I mean? That men mm-hmm. have a really hard time with. They're like, oh, but you're, you know, this really beautiful, interesting, smart, intelligent person, but you do that. And society says that that is A, B, C, D, all negative things. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, they fall in love with you, but sometimes it's so hard to separate it. And I think Tim said that there was one of the, the subjects who said that, you know, some people are, are built with, you know, this ability to separate monogamy and love and a mm-hmm. you know, this polyamorous, polyamorous um, I guess. Yeah, the non-monogamy, the consensual yeah. non-monogamy. And some people seem to be wired for non-monogamy for sure, but there's yeah. non-monogamy and then there's your partner having uh, random... Uh, and getting paid for it. I mean, there's a whole other, it's a whole other level, it's, right? It's a well, huge, I mean, to, like, to, 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 to on that into. point, which mm-hmm. is very interesting, that all of the female sex workers I spoke to, I mean, most, you know, there's an exception, one or two, but they all have a monogamous mentality. They don't, yeah. they don't consider it, um, they consider themselves monogamous in their mm-hmm. personal, rela- in their relationships. Right. They don't consider the work. And what, what Maggie was referring to is, is one of the main subjects. Her long-term boyfriend doesn't have this sexual jealousy. Like, they are in a monogamous mm-hmm. relationship. They are not in it. They don't consider themselves open or poly, etc. Mm-hmm. They consider themselves – and that's a very, very common theme. Right. Well, you see this too in people who work together in the industry. So in in the porn mm-hmm. industry, for example, they they will yep. date they can date each other because they also understand the business side of it, right? Mm-hmm. And they they have been both able to separate. It's just that getting involved with someone who you don't even know if they can make that separation and then find out then it puts you at risk and you describe that Maggie that somebody can have a really bad reaction to that. So mm-hmm. it's a scary prospect all of this it seems and uh, we're talking about the uh, love lives not sex lives but the love lives of sex workers with uh, tim struby and maggie passion with dr Lori batito on cjad 800 getting lots of texts tonight uh, talking about the love lives of sex workers with uh, journalist uh, Tim Struby who wrote a piece for Playboy and Maggie who is an, an escort who was interviewed for this piece. So I'm going to share a couple of texts and that uh, you guys can surely respond. Uh, wow, this subject strikes a nerve with me, not necessarily the lifestyle, but how finding out unfolded. I, a gay man, thought I struck gold when I dated a really nice, handsome guy. After a few weeks of dating, he suggested we go to New York City as he had some business to attend. He left one morning around 9, saying he'd be back around 4. Around 5, I texted him to know where he was. Then a voicemail. He did not answer his phone. He finally came back around 7, totally exhausted. He then confessed he had tried out being a porn star. I was blindsided at his revelation. Upset he could not have said so before. I was not ready to date someone who could not be honest from the outset. 
I don't think he was successful. I'm not seeing him in any videos. <laughs> um, so again, it's it's about the revelation, right? It's how people respond to that revelation and not knowing. But yet another one says, I am a softie. I would get attached. I think I likely would date a sex worker. Many female porn stars are happily married. The mindset has changed since the 70s and 80s. So, Tim, would you say that that is a fact? Yeah, I mean, I tend to think that the porn industry and the female sex worker industry are different in a sense because I, I and I'm no expert on the porn industry, but but it seems there is a it's sort of a small controlled environment to some degree. Mm-hmm. And with the female sex workers who, who I spoke to, they have some regular clients and then it, it quite changes a lot. And there's a lot less controls in that environment. And what what the former person, you know, your um, call in said about um, not being able to reach uh, the, the, his partner mm-hmm. on the date to New York is a real factor, actually, as well, because one of the factors that really strains these relationships isn't sex. It's it's the time where the female sex workers have to they go away with clients, and a lot of the the high end uh, female sex workers who I've interviewed, they'll go you know away for a weekend, they'll go to Europe for a week, and they can't they can't text their boyfriend, they right. can't you know, call them. They are they are beholden to the client to a point which really tests the limits of communication. That's a really, really good point. Maggie? But I, I feel like it's about communication. It's about also the fragile male ego, for instance. Like, <laughs> you know, if you're off on a date... <laughs> what? Another, well, if you're off on a date with another guy and, you know, your man or whatever has texted you... And you don't get back to them for three hours and they know, do you know what I mean? It's like this this consciousness about what you're doing and where you are. And I feel like a lot, you know, most of the time when a deception happens or when there is, you know, cheating, it's not the actual act, it's the lie. Right. You know, and it's the, the consciousness about, you know, oh my, you know, is that, is, is maybe she's having really good sex and, you know, she's going to lie to me about it when I get home. So it's this, you know, it's all the negative things that are really highlighted in, in, in a toxic relationship, you know, mm. that come out and that need to be dealt with. And unless you're incredibly secure, unless you have impeccable communication skills, and unless you can really handle, unless you really trust that person, it's just not going to work. <laughs> you have to be able to handle yeah. the emotion of jealousy. Like you cannot, mm-hmm. I imagine you cannot date a sex worker if you have even an iota of jealousy, <laughs> and, and which is rare. Uh. Right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I don't think you can even look at it as jealousy. I think it's a. I think you have to have a completely different mindset because it's it's yeah. not jealousy. And and what all it's the female sex workers told me, mm. it's performative. It's there is no there is no emotion involved. There is no. I mean, they occasionally might enjoy themselves. That's fine with clients they like. But it is a performance. It is not. It is dissociative. It's it's. It's, it's a not. job. So jealousy it's a isn't, job. isn't, shouldn't be jealous. I mean. <laughs> yeah, try, yeah, you shouldn't be, but yeah, sure. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know, when you I picture know, you your partner with, with someone else, like not everybody can handle that is, I guess, no, what, I, what I'm saying, right? It's, but uh, I, I feel like if these, if the guys that we date, if they did our job for even one day, they would have a completely different perspective. I feel like all of society would have a different perspective about it. 
you know, I, I said to my partner, I said, I wish that you could do this so you would know what it's like and then you would understand. And you would know what kind, that it is a job. Like yeah. in that sense, yep. right? That you're able to, so if I understand everything that happens at work, so with clients is on, just on a sexual level, what happens at home has all the emotions attached to it. And you Definitely. have, and you as a sex worker has to have to be able to separate those two. Like you must be, right. You have to be mm. really good at that compartmentalizing. To be and able to and do traditionally, that. females are often viewed as the ones who get attached. And I mean, from a chemical mm. point of view, that is true. But it's all about mindset and it's all about intention. Do you know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like, I'm here for this. And yes, I might have a good time. Yes, it might feel really good. Yes, I'll enjoy the company. But at the end of the day, you, got, you come home from work and you shower and it's just another day at work, you know. And it's really great if you've had a great experience and it's, you know, not so great if it's been a negative experience, but it's still under the umbrella of work. Right. And aren't partners worried about your safety? Uh, like when you're, I think, Tim, you made the distinction, you know, when you're a, a porn sex worker, you are in a controlled environment. When yeah. you are an escort, you sometimes don't know who you're going to meet and the, vi yeah. the and potential it, violence and, that you described too, Maggie. Absolutely. And, and from the subjects that I spoke to, Everyone I've spoken to has, has, has had, it, it, with one exception, has had, from what I gathered, some sort of bad experience uh, on different levels. I didn't get into it because it wasn't part of the story that I was doing. But just because these, these female sex workers I was interviewing are very high end and their clients have to be obviously extremely wealthy does not mean – that the danger is any less because if people are paying a lot of money, they tend to feel like they can take some liberties and there are bad experiences, you know, on every level of the yeah. job. And it, it is a concern. Right. And mm. what's happening now with COVID? I have to ask because uh, <laughs> I know what's going on in the porn industry. But what's happening in the sex work industry with COVID? Well, it's really, it's quite precarious. Like I took a very long break as soon as we kind of, actually, actually before quarantine went into play in, in New York, I was like, I'm not taking any more bookings. I feel like that was at the end of February and I didn't start working again until mid-July. And I guess what's been the, the, the course of action is that temperature checks, you have COVID tests regularly, like weekly. Um, I've reduced the amount of clients that I see on a weekly basis from, you know, maybe, I don't know, five to maybe two or three. But it is, it's a really tricky area because we still need to make income. A lot of sex workers have gone online. Right. Um, they're utilizing things like OnlyFans mm -hmm. or virtual dates. And that was a huge thing during quarantine. Now it's kind of, I, I feel like there are some girls have really found, you know, their, their area or their, you know, their limelight in that, um, you know, in that area, in, in that right? That forum, medium, mm -hmm. yeah. But I mean, for me, which is safer, it's much safer. It is, it right. is, but it's it's different. It's different. Right. Yeah. So you're not worried about getting it from your? I, I mean, they they say now, you know, you should wear masks when you're. You can have sex, just wear masks, like no kissing, <laughs> wear masks, you know. I've actually done some bookings with masks on, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Wow, very fascinating, fascinating uh, stuff. Tim, you have to write a book. Like, that's uh, a, a no-brainer. Well, this has to go into a book. Well, on that note, it's funny because as I was doing the story and we addressed in the Playboy article, I chose this sort of small window within the female sex worker community. And, you know, I, we, I didn't – there were so many more venues which to talk about to – gay sex workers, trans sex workers mm -hmm. on every different like socioeconomic level. But I just couldn't because I wanted to make this story very uh, like have a narrative and the more specific, the better. But there is I mean, there are stories on on. I mean, I think it would make a really compelling story on on to, to really capture so many the different levels and different Absolutely. Like, windows in which this takes place. I mean, I know you're a journalist. You need to get an article out there. You can't spend years and years uh, and, and, you know. No. you got to earn I, some money, I mean, too. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, I can help you write that book. We could do that project together. I, I'm uh, fascinated by this. <laughs> I And, by the way, and I, got, I have to tell you, I've never had as much material left off the page as I have in this story. And it is, and it's, and a lot of, a lot of the, you know, it's very relatable. It really is an immense amount of material that w was, is, is just still, you know, that we could still, still put needs, out there. It still really needs is. to I be mean, said. There's a lot I, more. I, Listen, I, I know we could talk probably for hours together. Unfortunately, we yeah. have run out of time, but uh, we have to talk again because we got, got to find a way to get that out there. Absolutely. Uh, Maggie, thanks so much for opening your life up to us and, and sharing sharing Thank with you. us. Uh, you're delightful. Uh, Tim, good luck with this. And I urge people to go to, uh, it's on playboy.com, right? It is on playboy.com. All right, wonderful. And the piece is, how does an escort find a boyfriend? Hint, it's not easy. Read the article. It's great. Thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having us. Thank all you. Right. Lovely to talk to you. Take care bye. now. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thanks for all of your texts. Thanks, of course, to our technical producer, Dave Simon. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, drlori.com, where the podcasts of all past shows are, including this one. So if you missed part of it and you want to go back and listen to it, just click on the Passion Radio tab and you will find it. Coming up next year on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion.